0: Okay, I would ask you at this time to open up to the book of Acts. Let's pray. Again, here we are, Lord, with the open Bible or Bible app on our laps, ready to hear what you would say to us. And we want to take your word and apply it in our lives in a way that will glorify you. We want to understand it. We know we're going to talk about some controversial things here this morning. We don't want them to be controversial, Lord. We want you to... Clearly speak to our hearts, and so Lord, that we would be the men, the women, the children of God that you require us, that you'd like us to be. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we let off as kind of a weird place, um, Acts eighteen, kind of a weird place because just we run, sometimes we just run out of time. That's all it is, and and where we are is where we are. I usually have an idea about how far I want to go. It's usually. Probably most of the time, I, I I get where I'm I'm going. You know, I know how to at this point to gauge it. Like when we first started teaching here, I, sometimes I'd run out of things to say. Ver, not very often, okay. Before I, you know, because all the things I studied, I'd I'd get through them, and then I'm like, okay, now what do I do? And I get half hour left. You know, what I mean, that didn't happen very often. But now I kind of have an idea, you know, how long it takes to get through a certain passage and stuff. Okay, we will, last time we looked, we were in uh, chapter eighteen, verse eighteen, and that's where we ended. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and and then took his. And this is, this is Corinth. He's at Corinth. Okay. Second missionary journey, he tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, sailed thence into Syria. With him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in century, and he had a vow. So last week we met Priscilla and Aquila, because at that time it was said Aquila and Priscilla. And I just pointed out, it's, it's weird, it's not accidental. Um, it's the only time when you have, it's, it, it's not even Adam, okay? It's not Sarah and Abraham. It's, it's just not, you say, well that's pretty sexist, no apologies. It's that culture, it's the way it went. It's it's a mystery here why Priscilla, the wife, the tent making wife of Aquila, who's also a tent maker, why she. Who knows that? And sometimes that happens, you know, it's, it's definitely Adam and Sue's. I, I don't know anyone who says Susan and Adam, except, Suze was in the legislature. She was the, the, honorable, the honorable representative Sue Suze Kaspersack, and that other guy who's with her. I was nobody. It was really funny to be in her world and in her uh, political, we'd show up to these, you know, fundraise, different events, you know, governors there, you know, state senators and all this stuff, and I'd be tagging along and like, oh, hi, Susan and people would treat her like she's somebody. Well, Guess what? She was. I never was elected for nothing. And uh, and I was just a along. I was Mr. Suze Kasperzak, you know. But other than that, that, that those brief six... And I don't, by the way, I don't mind that. I'm proud to be Mr. Suze Kasperzak. I, no problem with that. We live in a different society now. But I was just along for the ride, you know. It was all about her. And nobody cared about what I had to say or anything. And that was fine with me. Um, but usually it's, you know... It's Adam and Sue. We have friends that they say, you know, you know we say Jill and Jack or, or something because Jill is really out there and really like we we'll go into a room mouth first and bubbly and effervescent and Jack is kind of back in the shadows and nice guy, really quiet. And so we say like that, you know, uh, we use the woman's name first sometimes. I, that's the only thing I can think of. Maybe she's like way out there. She's like, you know, Priscilla. Oh, yes, Priscilla. Oh, she's with her husband, Aquila, you know. I, I, who knows, okay? Uh, Small point, and I'm making too much of it. I know, I know, right? He's Okay, so he's leaving. He he goes to Syria. He's with Priscilla and Aquila, and he's shorn his head in Centuria, for he had a vow. And we talked about this last week. Is this a good idea or a bad idea? And I propose, this is the last point we made. I propose it's a bad idea. I'm going to develop that a little bit here this morning. Uh, You have, uh, you go to Israel And you say, man, the way they keep the Sabbath, Friday and Saturday, I love that. I just love like relaxing and resting and thinking about God and visiting with family. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna Sabbath here at home. Can I just say this? God bless you. God bless you. Do we have a, does there, scripture says, you better not you know, plug in your crock pot, you know, Thursday before, the, I mean, Friday before the sun goes down. Uh, you, you better not do that. You better not be quiet and respectful on Saturday and spend time with your family. Is, is it, are you breaking commandments doing that? I would suggest you're certainly not. So if you are convicted to do that, I, here's what I'm saying. God bless you. Okay. Uh, you, can it be confusing? Well, now you, you think it's so wonderful. You're trying to push it on everybody else. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Stop. You, please don't be the Holy Spirit to, to me to everybody else. So you're saying, uh, you know, you, somebody invites you over for a Passover, a Seder meal or in the springtime. It's around our Easter, okay? Um, what's Passover all about? It's about when God brought the children of Israel out from under Egyptian bondage, it's a picture of salvation, and therefore, all the elements in the Seder feast are a picture of Jesus Christ. You say, "Well, I was invited to Seder; it was awesome. You know, the pastor he showed us all these things and why it's just like Jesus, and why you know the Jews to this day they do this and they do this and the and they and they you know they all all the elements, the third cup, the 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 afikom, and the and you look at all you say, oh my goodness, I, and you're so excited about that you want to do passover all the time can i just say something about that god bless you and i mean that from the depths of my heart i i I don't know listen you're eating lamb okay enough said fred i mean and you want to invite me oh i'm yeah i'll be there no question uh now and you think it's a very moving very meaningful thing wonderful that's wonderful I have no problem. I mean, listen, I have no problem with that. Now you're saying, hey, you know what you should do? Oh, well, you're just crossing the line there because we don't have incumbent on the church to keep Jewish feasts. You say, well, you got you you should keep Passover. The Bible says that's a feast for, the, for Israel forever. And you're saying, we're Israel, we're ruled by God. And I, I see your point, but don't pull out one feast Above all this, I don't know anyone saying, you know, we're supposed to be keeping Yom Kippur forever. I don't know anyone saying we're supposed to be keeping, you know, uh, Pentecost forever. Maybe the Pentecostal spirit. I mean, you know, the idea of Pentecost, the spirit coming and filling a church, we're supposed to. But, but I don't have anyone saying to me, you know, uh, uh, Feast of Trumpets. Why aren't we doing Feast of Trumpets? Why aren't we doing, um, you know, Feast of Tabernacles? And so they pick and choose, and, and they say, okay, we love this. Because I love lamb, roasted, barbecued lamb, I love it, and, we, and bitter herbs and all that, and we should be doing that all the time. You're kind of crossing the line. It's, you, you, you're, you're good for you, good for what you want to do. Please don't try to make it the rule for everybody. So, what about this vow? Numbers chapter 6, and I think this is a vow he's had. Um, so he says, uh, I'm taking this vow, right? So uh, you, shave, you start with a shaved head okay, and you make a promise to God that you're going to fulfill something, and there's usually a a quid pro quo. Lord, if you do this, I'm going to do this. Sometimes it's unilateral. Lord, I'm doing this for this season. Like a fast, but, you know, if you do this for years, you're not going to fast for years, but you can take a Nazarite vow for years. Um, You know, there are a few people in Scripture that are Nazarites for their whole life. Everyone always says, Samson, Samson and john the baptist and uh samuel and i think there's one other i can't come can't come to mind right now so there's not just samson so anyway uh they're they're nazarites their whole life what does that mean no razor ever comes on their head they don't trim their beard they don't cut their. hair yeah you're looking at me now and you're saying yeah you need a haircut yeah i know i know i'm gonna get one okay uh and it's not a nazarite vow it's just i haven't made a point with with my hair person that's all uh so you, so you promise, and so your hair grows all long, which are, uh, scripturally, I'm not talking about fashionably, you guys wear your hair as long as you want, ponytails, braids, just big old dreadlocks, whatever you, God bless you, I'm not a hair, nothing weird about that, right? So you, but in scripture time, long hair was a reproach to men, but you're, you're saying by having long hair, it's like I'm willing to be a reproach, for the sake of this vow, for what I'm saying to God, that I'm promise, making this promise for her. And so then at the end of the vow, right, you shave all your hair, and you gotta take it to Jerusalem, and you're gonna make an offering of a lamb or a goat or something like this, and part of the offering is your hair is incinerated, it's burnt up on the altar. Ugh, that would be disgusting smell. But uh, I think a lot of like, there was a lot of disgusting smells at the temple, I mean, it, it was a slaughterhouse. Okay, flesh burning up. It smells like barbecue. That's a wonderful smell. I I knew that yesterday. So we only had like three guys. We had, it was a big group, right? What, a couple hundred guys? Three hundred? I don't know. It was a big group, like as much as there is in the summer. And uh, there was only three of us out there barbecuing because we're not. I said us, you know, because I'm. Listen, we're not really good in the mind there, but and it was it was cold, cold, but we're, on the side that we were, it was out of the wind a little bit, it was in the sun, and it was tolerable. It took forever to cook them steaks, usually like four minutes a side you know, in, my, in my house. This was like longer. Anyway, um, but they cooked, and it was all good. Um, so anyway, you know, that, 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 those, some of those scents, you know, you, you have that rising up, and that would be a wonderful thing. Burnt hair is not a wonderful thing, but it was part of the sacrifice, so you take that, and you and you do that now. I'm just saying, all you guys, you know, should I be doing this? Should I be taking this vow? Should I be? You don't have to, and if you do, you have to keep what you promised. I would suggest you don't. I'm, from personal experience, it hasn't worked out for me because I did this thing. I you know, read the Bible, say, oh, I would try that," and I do that. all these things because I went through a lot of these little side roads. And I'm just thinking, one, you have to believe in your ability to keep what you're promising. I just, right there on the face of it, that's not a good idea. You say, well, Adam, I don't care about your opinion so much. I care about what Scripture says. Oh, good. (laughs) Let's look at what Scripture says, because that should be your your attitude, right? Well, your opinion, eh, everyone's got opinions, right? Uh, What does Scripture say? Well, I'm glad you asked, okay? So he has this vow, uh, and so he's on his way to Jerusalem. He came to Ephesus and left them there. That's to say Priscilla and Aquila. He leaves them an emphasis. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Uh-oh, trouble. He, you know, he goes, this is his MO. He goes into the Jews' uh, synagogue. He preaches the gospel to the Jews in the synagogue and gets kicked out invariably all the time. Right? Isn't that what always happens? I mean, we've read that. It sounds like a broken record. So what happens? When they decide him to tarry longer time with them, Wait a second, I must have read that wrong. Let me check it again. Uh, when When they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not. Wait a second, why would he consent not? Because he has to be in Jerusalem by the feast because he's made a vow. What's driving, the Spirit of God or the vow? You tell me. Is he seeing a Macedonian man in a vision come to us, help us over here? No. Is the Spirit of God illuminating his dreams? No. Who's driving? The vow's driving. Now, just on the face of it, you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? The Holy Spirit, you know, we make promises and we say, we're going to do this, 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 and we've got all our plans in a row, we've got all our you know, ducks lined up, we're going to do this, We're going to. who's driving in our situation? Well, there's no room for the Holy Spirit to move whatsoever. Someone says, hey, will you teach uh, Sunday school? How about, let me pray about that. Let me see what God wants. Is that a reasonable answer? I think it's a great answer. I mean, if you're really honestly going to seek the face of God, and let God direct your life, I think that's wonderful. Well, no, I don't think that I'll be... And now God doesn't even have a chance to speak or act or... Maybe the answer, after you seek God, is no, I've got something else for you to do. That's not your gift. I appreciate the fact that you're willing, but I want you over here doing this. Maybe that's the answer. But we don't even let him speak. We've got it all. The Spirit of God's not moving here. I don't see any indication of it. The vow is is what's activating Paul. He's finally got a synagogue where they're saying, "Oh, this is awesome. This gospel. We we never heard nothing like this. Can you just stay and keep teaching us cuz we can get our feet under us. We can start a church here. We can can't got to go. Really? Um this is Am I overstating this? By the way, you can disagree with me any time. You think I'm just making more stuff that's here than that? I think it's I, the way I, my take on it, they desired him to tarry a long time with them. The first time in his ministry, he's in a, in a synagogue and they're listening, they're absorbing, and they're asking him to stay. Usually he hits a wall. A couple weeks, people getting saved, jealousy setting in. People say, hey, Service ain't never been this full, this, wow, he's really having an impact, because the gospel of Jesus Christ is like that. And what happens? Jealousy, and so they start persecuting the truth, that's invariably, inevitably. And here's an open door, stay with us as long as you want, preach the gospel, got to go. He consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem. Some people say this is a feast of tabernacles, more people think it's the feast of Pentecost, I mean Passover, which is about the same time as our Resurrection Sunday. Um, so, he's, so so some people thinking it's a spring feast. Of course, Feast of Tabernacles would be in the fall. Um, there's three times, this, uh, and I've said this before, but I haven't said it in a while, so maybe I just want to review. There's three times, able-bodied Jewish male must be in Jerusalem. Feast of Passover in the spring. It's really the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's... The 14th of Nisan is the Feast of uh, Passover. You don't have to be there, but you have to make it by the 15th, which is the next day, and that's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's about a week long, depending on what time of the week that is, because it ends with that Sunday, which is the Feast of First Fruits, which is the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits. Is that coincidental? No, the spring feasts are like that. Uh, I think the fall feasts are like that as well, and the summer feasts, of course, is like that. It, the Jesus' first coming, right? Uh, our Passover lamb died on Passover. You know that, right? He he's didn't die near Passover, during the Passover season. He died on Passover. And they had to get his body down before the Sabbath. So he died on a Friday, right? No. The Sabbath there means the feast day, the high holy day, the feast of unleavened bread, which was the day where Jewish men had to be in Jerusalem. They had to take his body off the cross before then. So he was buried on the feast of unleavened bread. The, the bread of life was buried on the feast of unleavened bread. You remember, except a kernel of uh, corn fall to the ground and is buried it abideth alone. You remember that? It's a grain of wheat, I think King James' is kernel of corn, but the bread of life was buried on the feast of unleavened bread. You say, whoa, what a coincidence. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, Jesus Christ rose from the dead the morrow after the Sabbath, after, this is how it's given to us, the formula for when you celebrate the feast of uh, first fruits. It's the morrow after the Sabbath, read here, Sunday, after. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. Jesus rose from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits. Is that a surprise to you? That, the, that Jesus, the first fruits of them that slept, rose on the Feast of First Fruits? No. All these holidays, holy days, were given to show, to, to demonstrate, the ministry of Jesus Christ. And the, they are like dress rehearsals up until the actual time it actually happened. Now, Pentecost is a picture of Pentecost. You know, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they're all assembled with one accord in the upper room. The Spirit of God birthed the church on the feast that, that, was, that predicted that event. Now, the fall feasts, okay, are uh, the feast of what? You guys know? Feast of trumpets. Good. Then what? Which, by the way, is... is, is um, Uh, Also, uh, Jewish holiday, uh, New Year's, Rosh Hashanah, is concurrent. That's the civil. The spiritual one is the Feast of Trumpets, followed by what? Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, followed by Feast of Tabernacles. I'm going to tell you, slam dunk, Feast of Tabernacles is predictive. Look it up in Zechariah, I think it's chapter 12, 13, maybe chapter 14. It is predictive of the thousand-year a reign of Jesus Christ. And by the way, during the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ, we will keep the Feast of Tabernacles, Says so by the prophet there, Zechariah, verbatim. This is not even debatable. So now the only things we have left are the uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. I think that's idiomatic or connected to uh, the time of Jacob's trouble. It's a time where they're... <sighs> repent and turn to God during the year and I think it's going to be a time when they turn to God the whole nation does the time of Jacob's trouble it's about Jacob it's about the nation Israel why will the church go through that not in my theology uh well what's happening to the church well I think we're going to celebrate the feast of uh trumpets by we're going to hear a trumpet blast on the feast of trump that's my thinking okay uh, am I right about that? We'll see. Stand by. I don't know how else to say it. This Feast of Trumpets, I hope it. we don't have to wait that long. The first, the spring feasts, were about Jesus' first coming. Are the second, the fall feasts, about Jesus' second coming? Uh, you tell me. Anyway. All this to say, I think he went to, uh, he's going in the springtime, so he's going to keep the feast that cometh to Jerusalem. And the three big feasts they have to go to Jerusalem for is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles is the one they have to be in Jerusalem for. Uh, So he bade them farewell, saying, I must, by all means, keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you, if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. Again, the vows driving the Spirit of God, I would submit to you, Humbly submit to you is not. He does say, I will return again to you if it's God's will. Does he? Yeah, he spends three years in Ephesus. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up, what's gone up? He went to Jerusalem. You always go up when you go to Jerusalem. But still, they say that. Aliyah means to go up. Okay, you know, you hear of Jew making Aliyah back to the Holy Land, uh, ascending, that's what it literally means, to go up. Uh, because Jerusalem is elevated okay that 's why you have the Psalms of Ascent where they march up to Jerusalem singing the songs of ascent. but even if you were to go to like from top of Mount Everest to jerusalem you 're going up not in elevation but in principle and spirit in, in you 're you're elevating you 're going to a place you know where because they consider it 's the place where God lives right um, Where are you going to be in the kingdom age I't mean Jerusalem well. It's sometimes, anyway, I don't know if I'm going to live there all the time. Our bridegroom lives, will live at Jerusalem, uh, so I don't know. Do, we, do you have, like, does he assign you, like, okay, you're going to be the governor of Australia? I don't know how it works, okay? Well, after, uh, you know, we get there and then we go through a orientation, or I don't know how it works, and we'll, we'll figure it all out. I, I have an idea that I'm going to be very familiar with Jerusalem during the Millennial Kingdom. I'd like to go there before that, if God will. Uh, So he sailed from Ephesus and he landed in Caesarea, he went up, that's to say to Jerusalem, he saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. Wait, what? So this whole thing, I can't stay, I can't talk now, I gotta go, I gotta, you know, so he goes to Jerusalem. He obviously makes the offerings that he's supposed, he doesn't say anything about that, but we can assume that I think. And then what he does is he says, hey guys, I'm here, and then he goes off to Antioch, back up in Syria where the missionary church launched him from. I think it's his home church. I think it's the one he's very familiar with. Now, there's a church at Jerusalem. I think, you know, you have the apostles there. I don't know that Paul's that's his favorite church. He's kind of like, I don't know if he likes the vibe. You know, he went there in Acts chapter 15. They talked about, uh, you know, what constitutes salvation, whether you had to be circumcised or not. You remember all that. And he, I I think that's still kind of given to and turning to like legalism and stuff. So he's, hey guys, I'm here. How's it going? All right. Well, I'm out of here. And off to Antioch. And he spent some time at Antioch. When he had spent some time there, verse 23, Antioch, he departed. Okay. Back to Antioch. That's, everyone considers that the end of the second missionary journey. And when uh, and after he had uh, spent some time, he departed. Now it's the beginning of the third, his third missionary journey. He went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. Okay, so he goes back, checks all the churches that uh, him and his, e- either him and Silas or him and Barnabas had established, and he's seeing how they're doing. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born of a- at Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. Okay, so we were introduced to this Jewish man with a Gentile name, kind of very heathen name, Apollos. Um, He's born in Alexandria, second largest city in the Roman Empire at this time, the seat of understanding, learning. They have a huge library there. He's eloquent, and I'm a little jealous. (laughs) I wish I was eloquent. I wish I could just speak really good. I uh, listen to myself sometimes. It's a horror show, right? Don't ever do that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm ineloquent. I'm loquacious, but I'm not, I'm not eloquent, okay? It's not my gift. So sometimes the reason I listen to me is I'm not trying to learn anything, I want to polish a little bit. I want to develop a craft. I don't want to, you know, say half sentences, leave you hanging, and not finish a thought. Right. So I, I try to listen, kind of close the loop, and and I try to like step outside and say, okay, this speaker, who's not me that I'm listening to, I want to see if you know he, if he's able to communicate precisely in such a way that you understand what's being said. I think that I think that's a good thing. Okay. And I pray and I listen. And I all right, Lord, what. What am I doing wrong? What am I, how how am I, what, what can I do better, okay? And I think that's a good thing. Am I getting more eloquent? You've got to look at the body of work. If you guys remember when we first started, I couldn't put a sentence together. And I talk with this like an auctioneer with this horrible accent that nobody could understand, so is over there nodding, thanks, babe, thanks. No, you're right, you're right, you're exactly right, okay, I, I know. And I, I come a long way, I think, you know, so I'm, I'm not articulate, I'm not a speaker, I'm not a gifted uh, in eloquence, but that's fine. I'd rather just tell, teach the Bible in a way that everyone can understand it. And, and whether I'm doing that or not, well, you're here, I appreciate that. You have no idea how much I appreciate that. If you consider me you and call me a pastor, you, I, I'm humbled by that. And I know I'm not a great speaker, I get that. Uh, nobody's accusing me of that. He is, and I'm like, oh, I wish that was true of me. He's mighty in the scriptures and eloquent, what a combination, so he, he comes to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught diligently the things of the Lord. He has a problem, though, knowing only the baptism of John. How did that work? Was he in Judea during John the Baptist's ministry? Was he a follower of John the Baptist and then left to go back home? During the reign, the, minis- the, the ministry of Jesus Christ? before Jesus went to the cross, before he was buried, before he rose again? Ostensibly, he doesn't know any of that stuff. Does he know about the Spirit of God coming and filling the church on Pentecost? No, all he knows is the baptism of John, and he, he believes in that, and he's speaking boldly in the synagogue. Truth, he's teaching truth, but it's a very limited truth. Whom, when Aquila and Priscilla had heard we're at Ephesus. You remember Paul left Aquila and Priscilla at Ephesus. And here it goes back to Aquila and Priscilla. <laughs> I, I don't know, okay? First time we see him, it's Aquila and Priscilla. Second time we see him, it's Priscilla and Aquila. Now it's back to Aquila and Priscilla. They got rhyming names. It's really cool. I just, we should change our names to, you know, I don't know, something, that I don't know, something cute, right? Like, like uh, you know, Tommy and Tammy. How cute are they, really? I mean, come on, really? That's just so cool. I got Anyway. <sighs> when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded to him the way of God more perfectly. Aquila and Priscilla, are they believers when they run into Paul? I don't know. They certainly are now. And so they see this man who's eloquent, who's gifted in Scripture, but he's got some gaps in his knowledge. And they took him and they told him, and took him. They didn't. They took him unto them. Hey, let's come over our house. We're gonna have some, you know, fellowship. Why don't you come on over and we got, you know, we got some lamb cooking, we're gonna have some, you know, matzo ball soup, and it's gonna be wonderful and all that, you know. And he's like, Yeah, okay, sounds good. And they didn't challenge him publicly, hey dude, you're really messed up. You know, you're missing a lot of stuff here. They took him and they brought him into the house, and privately instructed him. I appreciate that where people are doing things on the down low, in like, for instance, gaps in my understanding. Saying, you don't have any. <laughs> Nobody's saying that. Um, I, I didn't always know what I know now, and there was a growth process, and with this man, eloquent, mighty in Scripture, fervent, and humble. Humble enough to receive instruction. I always want to be that. I always want to be that. I always want to be learning. Uh, you ever get to a place where like, I know all this stuff. I know all this. Flip the switch, you're done. You're, you're dead in the water. You're not going to learn anything more after that. You have to be at a place where God, speak to me. I, I, there's so many things I still need to know. And I, and I also realize that, you know, this is the way our brain works. It leaks. We're, we're, um, you guys know uh, our uh, friend Colby's getting married, and we're instructing him in. We, we have this video series, they see and we see, and we discuss it, and it's, it's like pre marriage counseling. It's wonderful. And every time we go through it, we learn again, because we know all this stuff. This is like all review. This is, None of it's new. I've heard it like 10 times, right? 10, 12 times. I don't know. I got it. I can almost recite it, right? No, we forget it. And then we, it's, 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 it's not new, but it's, it kind of it resonates with us again. And we're thinking, oh, yeah, and maybe I let something slip that I knew once and I was practicing, and I'm not doing that anymore. And I need to relearn that. I need to recapture that in my life. He's the guy, Apollos is like, what do you think you guys? I'm from Alexandria, okay? Didn't you hear me? Mr. Eloquence. The Holy Spirit says so. And it's just my own opinion. And who do you think? Of? No, no, no. He's humble. He's, he's teachable. He has that spirit where you can speak into his life. And Aquila and Priscilla, they, they bring him to the house, ostensibly, feed him, talk to him, teach him, befriend him, fellowship with him. Oh, the power of dinner. I, I, uh, yeah, I know, I know. I know, it sounds like a joke. No, I... What do you think God gave you a house for? To entertain people, to fellowship with them, to to love them, to, to serve them, to I love I love this. There's nothing about this I don't think is awesome, good. They expounded in him the way of God more perfectly, more perfectly, more fully, a better understanding, completion hey, we've been hanging with this guy, Paul. You heard Paul, the rabbi? Yeah, he hated Jesus, man. He was like super against him because he was like in when Stephen got stoned. That was all about Paul and Paul, you know. And now he's going up to Antioch trying to wipe out the church. And Jesus visited him and he told him all this stuff. And now, you know, he's been going around teaching people. And, and so we were hanging out with him. Let me tell you all the stuff that he told us and let me see the things we... And imagine the things they could tell a man like Apollo was humble received them, incorporated them into his teaching, and then became really awesome. Uh, you know, i gonna. Some of you guys know. Probably some of you guys know. Some people think that Apollos wrote the book of Hebrews. Now I'm gonna. Ch- I'm gonna weigh in on this. Okay, okay. I have no idea who wrote the book of Hebrews, and nobody else does. The reason they think that Apollos might have is because it's. The type of Greek, it's kind of Alexandrian Greek. It's not the Greek that Paul uses. Paul's more of a koinonia Greek, everyday speaking Greek. This is high Greek, eloquent Greek. Did Paul have that in his repertoire? Paul's bright guy. No, He could have. But every, every uh, epistle that Paul writes, he just, Paul, you know, to Timothy, Paul to the church at Romans, Paul to the church at Galatia, and all of a sudden we get the book of Hebrews, no autograph on it, no attribution to anybody. Why did Paul, who most people think, and I kind of lean that way myself, think that Paul wrote but I don't have any good reason to think that Paul wrote it. And some people point to this man here might have wrote the book of Hebrews. Who knows? Who knows? Imagine a Bible book written by this guy starting at this dinner here. Who knows what your fellowship with someone could lead to. So I don't know that I don't. I just put. Don't agree with anything I just said. Don't, it doesn't matter. It's not going to get you any closer to God, any closer to heaven. But it's just something to think about. And the idea, of like, alright, Lord, I'm going to have this guy over for dinner. I don't do dinner really good. <laughs> yeah, ordering cheeseburgers. Who cares? I mean, it's it's not really about food. Um, you know, everyone was those Sue's. She she can cook. It was someone was asking me yesterday. Uh, can she cook? I said, do I, does, do I look like she can cook? Um, okay, I'm going to die a little bit. I lost a little bit of weight. But she cooks, angels sing. That's what I said. And he said, oh, my goodness. That's how it's been. It's like, it's, it's ridiculous. And I like to have people over for dinner because then she really shows off. It's not like when it's just her and me, I go hungry, like, here's peanut butter, nah on this, you know. It's not like that at all. I mean, she always cooks. It's always good. There's always plenty, and it's always delicious. And she spends a lot of time busting and thinking about that. And I enjoy that so much. I mean, I really do. It's quite a ministry. And then you have somebody over, and like I say, well, I don't really, I'm not really that much of a cook. You ask somebody over and order pizza. It's really not about the food. It really becomes about, you know, you're at somebody's house, you're, you're, you're breaking bread with them, so to speak. You're sharing life with them. You're talking. You're, you're, your hearts are knitted together. I see that happen over dinner more often than I see it happen anywhere else. And what are you doing? You're chewing food, right? But you're going to talk and, you know, open up and you, you're sharing lies. It's a wonderful thing. Anyway, just in case of, so you say, I don't know how I fit in here. you got a lunch table, don't you? <laughs> you can see someone, you bring them home for lunch, you know, and say, well, I don't do that. We used to go out for dinner uh, on Sunday. Well, that's good too, right? That's good too. Just an idea, just an idea. Oh, so now, Paul, uh, now Apollos is going away. When he was supposed to pass into Achaia, uh, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. Okay, so they give him this kind of letters. You know, hey, hey, this guy's a real deal. So he comes to the church. Help him out any way you can because he, he's mighty in you know, sharing and preaching and teaching. Uh, verse 28 for he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So he's like, okay, you want to debate me? Let's go. And all in good, you know, and he but I don't think it was like combative. I think he just say, "Hey, let's publicly do this. You got your you believe this, well, I believe this. Let's let's let the people decide," you know, and he would debate them and win. I mean, cuz he was you know that kind of guy I know that kind of guy who's like, even if they're wrong, they debate so well that, you you know, you gotta hand, you, you know your hands are full. Because right makes might. It helps when you're on the right side of Scripture. But some guys do it really good. So imagine being good in public discourse, eloquent, and mighty in Scriptures. Like, able to pull all these things out and show, make your point all the time. Chapter 19. Now, don't despair. We're not going to go. It's a big chapter. We're not going to go through it all. We'll start, starting, and we'll see. I think uh, if I make it through uh, verse um, 7, I'll be happy. Well, now, we're going to, it came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, okay? Apollos, now at Corinth, Paul, passing through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and he found certain disciples. Now, big, big debate over what this disciples mean. I think they're believers, okay? Um, I think they're disciples of Apollos, and that's why we have this on the heels of our introduction to Apollos. Apollos, not knowing the whole of Scripture, what would his, so he's going around preaching, but he's not preaching the whole counsel of God. What would that look like? It would look like Acts chapter 19, Can I submit to you that's what I think is going on here? If I'm preaching to you only up to the baptism of John, what's your understanding going to look like? It's going to look like, to my thinking, these people that uh, Paul discovers in Ephesus in chapter 19. He said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there be in Holy Ghost. Now, so Apollos was preaching up to the baptism of John. Would people be spirit-filled? Would they be saved? Oh, that's a difficult question. Here they're called disciples. Do you remember we talked about Paul on Mars Hill? If you agreed with everything he said, and by the way, nobody pushed back on that. I was kind of surprised. I thought somebody would challenge me. Email me and saying I don't ever heard anyone say, say that. My, I maintain that Paul's Mars Hill discourse, where everyone thinks it's just the mountaintop of preaching, I think it was a swing and a miss. I think it was more of a TED talk. And by the way, I'm not against TED talks. If you have a, you know, what I'm talking about it was. They're on motivation and different on sciences and different. So people just giving this discourse, and you get them on online. It can be interesting if you like that sort of thing. I'm not against that. And when I say TED Talk, I'm not casting dispersions. I, I, I'm just saying, Paul, if you agreed with everything he said, so you're in the audience at Mars Hill that day, and you say, yeah, Creator God, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, our own poets did say that. You you're heard about that. And you listen to everything and agree with everything he said. I'm not sure you're saved. He preaches a message about Jesus Christ without mentioning Jesus Christ. Who does that? He gives the gospel without talking about the cross. I don't know if that's possible. You know what I'm saying? I, I, and you can agree with everything he said, and I think still miss it, still not be saved. It's important. Not every time that we meet and open up Scripture, we're going to talk about the cross. We go verse by verse by verse. You hang around here long enough, you're going to hear the gospel. Why? Because the Bible talks about the gospel in a lot of different places and I try to bring up Jesus all the time he because the whole book's about him but it's like sometimes you're going through like we're going to finish Exodus oh well tonight Exodus chapter 21 you know about that if you're a slave and you're seven years and you want to get free and you go to the you say no I like my master I want to hang out here uh, you know, so they bring it to the door and they put an all through your ear and you're connected to the house literally and forever you're going to be serving that house. It's a place of honor. That loans itself to Jesus Christ, very obviously. He's the ultimate servant. You know, and, and you know, the the scriptures, you know, pierce my ear, Lord, and you know, it, dig my ear is really what it's saying there. And it's making a, like the Psalms, a couple Psalms that say that, it's making a point, that Jesus Christ is the servant. I mean, if you read the Gospel of Mark, Jesus Christ the servant of Jehovah. I think that's in chapter 15. I'm not sure, I have to look that up. That's what the whole is about. When we're talking about you know, so the servant uh, psalms, the servant like of Jehovah, as he's given in the book of Isaiah, uh, much, much scripture on Jesus being the servant. Uh, so then you go a little farther and you build the tabernacle. It's all about Jesus too. And then you go into Leviticus and you see all them uh, sacrifices. All about Jesus. Then you get into Jewish dietary law. And so if you're here, toughen that out. <laughs> you can't eat any pork, right? If you have fish, it's got to have scales. And, and that about Jesus? Yeah, but th- it's it's tough. It's, and then we're going through like blemishes and uh, you're going to be talking about uh, what happens if you get leprosy and the cleansing process and stuff. Is that all about Jesus? Yeah, in some very unique and curious ways. But you've got to be able to connect the dots. I mean, if you're reading through that and you're just reading Jewish dietary laws, I don't know if that stuff thrills you. It, it For me, not so much, really, okay? Uh, oh, I can't eat pork chops? Oh, man. Uh, you know what I mean, people look at that on the surface level and see that you, what you, ca- you can't eat bat, and you're thinking, okay, I'm walking in victory, this is good. Yeah, you can't eat like crows, and you're thinking, I don't think I want to eat that anyway. Duck, your duck's on the menu, you can eat duck, you know. and so you go through all that stuff, and, and a lot of people just look at it and say, oh, good, I'd like that anyway. I don't want to eat a camel, I don't want to eat mice, so that's all right with me too, you know, and you can eat you know, things that have a potted hoof and chew the cud, and you go through all that and stuff. It's all about Jesus, if you can connect the dots. Uh, I don't even know why I started it. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we have not so much as heard whether it be a Holy Ghost. Look, he notices something missing. Have you talked with a Christian who's, and you're just like, yeah, I don't know, we're not on the same page. I don't, I, I don't understand. I don't, I'm not even sure if they're Christian or not. There's a big debate about this, like I say. One of the phrases, have you believed, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Means since you believed. Some people say, well, that means when you believed. And you will have different versions, we'll say both of them. Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? The answer is obviously yes, if it's true belief. Okay? Have you received the Spirit of God in fullness, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? since you believed? And I think that's what he's talking about. I think they're believers, okay? It says the word disciple. It says the word believed. Um, have you received the Holy Ghost? Now, can you receive the Holy Ghost without really understanding about the fullness of the Holy Ghost? You accept Jesus Christ to come into your heart to save you. Do you know anything about the Holy Spirit at that point? Have you received Him? Yes. Uh, if you... When I, it's kind of funny because I go back and I, I knew things about the Holy Spirit and I knew my religious upbringing. You know, talked about, you know, the Trinity and, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit. And I understood the Holy Spirit and I understood. And having been in confirmation in as a Catholic in the seventh grade, I get a new name. It's kind of cool, right? It's Nicholas, by the way, my confirmation name. It's not in any documents anywhere. St. Nicholas. Just, I don't know. Because it was my father's name, okay. Father's Adam, Edward, Nicholas. No, Adam, Nicholas, Edward, Casper, Zach. Something I can't remember now. How do you? How do you forget that? Anyway, he's got all the same names as me in different order, and so I wanted to. So I adopted that one. Um, So I had this Holy Spirit experience in the seventh grade, right? Not at all. Not at all. Not for me. I'm not speaking against Catholicism. If you. Were Catholic and you knew Holy Spirit and praise God, I knew of Him. I hadn't received Him, so I became. And I'm going to tell you something about my Catholicism. Okay, don't argue with me. I was there. You weren't. If you were Catholic and you were born again, great. I missed it. If they were telling me about salvation in Jesus Christ through the cross, I was asleep that those years. Whatever, I missed it. Okay. It wasn't until I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and embraced Jesus as my Savior. What happened then? The Spirit of God came into me. Did I know it? Not at that time. I didn't have the verbiage or the language to... I I was born again, but I probably didn't use the term. I used the word crossed over because in my thinking, what happened is I kind of crossed over. I was a heathen, didn't care about God, knew God, existed, but who cares, right? Satan knows God exists. That's no big deal, and I realized it wasn't a big deal. I was sending up a storm, and I didn't trust God as my Savior. I knew He was Creator. I knew He you know, made laws, all of which I were breaking, and I didn't trust Him for salvation. So I trusted Jesus Christ. I turned to Jesus Christ. I said, Lord, save me. He did, and He sealed me with His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in me. The Greek word is en. Um, probably epsilon nu. I'm, I'm guessing, not knowing much about anything about Greek, it, it would be pronounced n, and it means in. You get you get that much. And now there's a, a new there's a, there's another facet of the Holy Spirit, okay? That it's for the believers, we teach this at Calvary Chapel. If you're Baptist you're going to be, <gasps> and if you're Pentecostal, saying, well, duh, no doubt. And if you're a lot of you, you know. I don't care where you were. I don't care where you came from. Let the Spirit of God, let the Word of God speak to your hearts, okay? We have this epi, not in anymore. and He's in us, okay? Forever, unconditionally. That's not going to change. I am, Jesus is with you forever. Uh, Not going to leave you or forsake you. That's not the epi experience of the Holy Spirit. We believe... In Acts chapter 20, when Jesus says, He breathes on, him, says, receive the Holy Spirit, that received the Holy Spirit. So, what's Pentecost all about? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. That's the epi. Jesus saying, hey, tarry at Jerusalem. Why? Anyone? That you may be. Oh, we got to go look. Put we got time. Everyone cool, right? So far no one up screaming, call me a heretic. I think this is all very scriptural, okay? Uh, chapter one, verse four. And being assembled together with them, Jesus, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, he, "He have heard of me." For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. This is after he said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." In Acts chapter twenty, this is a baptism, a fill, a filling, a a a p experience, and upon the Spirit's going to come upon the church now. And by the way, these. Uh, prepositions of on and in, uh, upon, they're consistent through all Scripture. It, when you have an upon experience, it's not an in experience. In is salvation, okay? Because here's the thing. We have Baptist friends, and I was in a Baptist church, and I received it all when I got saved, and I got the Holy Spirit, and okay, no argument. I'm good. You good? I'm good. So they say that's it. That's all there is. That's not Scripture. I mean, how many times in Scripture have we seen already and, the, and the, they had a fresh filling? After Pentecost, they were in jail. They are being beaten by, for their uh, believing in Jesus. And they prayed and the place was shaken and they received the Holy Spirit. That is saying, literally, they received the Holy Spirit right there, right then. But it's after Pentecost. I know. Isn't it great? Free refills. That, brothers and sisters, is a wonderful program. You check this out for yourself. You can look at the uh, Greek. You don't have to be a Greek scholar. The Greek scholars have gone before us. They'll write. They'll tell you what it's saying. They don't have an axe to grind except teaching the Scripture. A full, a fullness, a filling, another baptism. A, I like the word filling because it just is unambiguous. When he writes to the Ephesian church in chapter five, he says, "Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. That's excessive. That's dissipation. You don't want that. Don't be drunk with wine." but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word filled, I like filled, because everyone knows filled, right? Do you have the Holy Spirit in you when you got born again? Yep, yep, I do. I I got verses, I'm like, amen, amen. Hang on to those verses, they're good for you. You need to know that. Is the Holy Spirit filling you? Has he filled you since you, this is, I think, Paul's question here. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? He notices something's wrong. You know the difference between somebody who's saved and somebody who's Spirit-filled. You know the difference. You've known the difference in your own life. There's a in, and there's an upon. There's a fullness. There's a... So he says to the Ephesian church, "Keep and the word filled there is it's continuous present action. If we translated it into English, it would sound like this. Keep continually be being filled. It wasn't a one-time forever thing. He's saying keep continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit. I have been filled with the Holy Spirit. I like to think I am filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you know if you are? I asked him, Lord, fill me. I am so in over my skis. I have no idea what I'm doing. Most days I'm like, ah, and I want to just jump out of my skin and run away and give up. I I can't. I'm overmatched. I'm, I'm, I'm in over my skis. I don't know what I'm doing. Lord, help me. Please, fill me. I just, does he? Well, you remember what Jesus says. You know how to give good gifts to your children, and you're evil. If your son asks for a, a piece of bread, would you just give him a rock here, son? Chew on this. Who does that? Dad, can I have a fish? Here's a snake. Yeah, I'll fish, I'll show you. You're evil, and you don't do that to your children. And he says, how much more will, the Holy, will God give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? It's just simple asking. Well, you've got to come up here, and you've got to and you gotta tarry, and you gotta raise your hands, and you gotta pray, and you gotta ps- pray through. And why do you get all weird about simple scripture? You know why, why people run screaming? Cause we're weird. We make it so weird and so hard and so difficult. I've been in those services, so you know I'm like, it's okay, and like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. So someone grabbed my hand and hold it up, and, there's, and okay, speak through, brother. Just pray it out. Just. What are you talking about? I'm just receiving. Now, let's keep going here. We all good, by the way? Is everyone? Okay. Deep, if you're having trouble, deep breaths. It'll be, it'll, we'll get to it. <coughs> we haven't heard so much as there is Holy Ghost. Is the Holy Spirit sealing them? If, if He's saved, if they're saved, He is. He's in them. Is He working out fullness of them? The whole reason for the fullness of the Holy Spirit is for that you might be my witnesses. You can't work. You're going to do this work in the power of the flesh. And by the way, in Ephesians 5, when it's talking about husbands and wives, right? Important, 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 important section. Every woman's favorite verse is there, right? Wives, Smith, yourselves. The other. Every woman. They have that on their wall. They love that verse, man. I tell you. I can't, can't get enough of it women, are you going to be submissive to that guy you're living with? Not outside the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not. Just, just point of interest. Um, husbands, are you going to love that woman like Christ loved the church? In the power of your own flesh? <laughs> you're ridiculous. You, I think you're going to need Holy Spirit to, to live the marriage that you're supposed to be living. That's, what we, that's what the first thing we talk to, to uh, married couples or a proposed marriage. Or they're going to get married. That's the first thing we want to tell them. You've you got to live here. This is, this is successful marriage. We have wives who are honoring their husbands. We have uh, husbands who are loving their wives. You, you Doing that, boy? I'm, you're, you're doing really pretty good, okay? Uh, but you're not going to do that in the power of your own flesh. power of your own flesh, you're going to be a selfish jerk, ask Sue, she'll tell you. Well, you probably know about your own situation. You don't have to ask anybody. When somebody's living like a selfish jerk, how easy is that guy or that woman to live with? Okay, enough said on that. Uh, Have you received the Holy Spirit? We don't don't even know because they're Paul's disciples, I think. And he said unto them, them, what were you baptized? He said unto them, John's baptism. This is how I connected. He only knew up to John's baptism. So he was baptizing them, calling on them to repent of their sins. So their disciples, their believers, how much they believe, it's not exactly sure. There's something missing, obviously, and they were baptized unto repentance, which is always, repentance is always a wonderful thing. This isn't ungodly or anti-godly, it's just not all the way, it's just not everything they need to understand. And so uh, they, they were baptized. Uh, unto John's baptism, and he finds out in verse 3, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. By the way, what is John's baptism all about? Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. You need to turn from your sins. You need to turn from your wicked way. That's always in season. That never goes out of style. And it's good, it's not complete, so I turned from my wicked ways. Then what happened? Nothing. I got my wicked ways back because there was a vacuum. I wouldn't fill it up with anything, right? And if the default button set on self, I'm always gonna end up being just back where I was. That's my that's what that's religion to me in a nutshell. Don't be evil. Okay. And I try real hard not to be. And what did I always end up. I didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to disregard sin. I didn't have any mechanism to overcome Temptation in my life, just a big long religious finger sticking in my face. You repent. You're a sinner. Yeah, no, tell me something I don't know. But I didn't have the mechanism. I don't have the power to be witness. Let's keep moving. He baptized uh, with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people they should believe on him, which should come after him. That is on Jesus, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now that's not a. By the way, you know. So, so you have the Hyper Pentecost as a group like Assembly of God, and you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. <sighs> uh, I do it all. I baptize in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the name of the power of the Holy Spirit. I have this so I just try to cover all the bases so nobody later on gives me any grief. Is it the phraseology that's really important? I think the name of Jesus is important. I really kind of do think so. But Jesus says, you know, go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. And I think it's enough. But like I say, people, because of verses like this, they get all weird on me. So when Paul laid his hands upon them, the, whole, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. All the men were about 12. Now we have a, just had a problem there. When he lays his hands on them, prays for them, they receive the Holy Ghost, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Problem? I don't have a problem with that. That's scripture. I don't care about your background again. Do they always, every time somebody receives the fullness of the Holy Spirit, do they always speak in tongues? I don't think that's, I don't think that's scriptural. Do they sometimes? Yeah, that's obviously scriptural. Is that for today? There are some who teach it's not. We would not be among those who teach that this is something of a different era, a time gone by. I said before, I speak in tongues, okay? Now if you're thinking like, I can never go here again, well, that's fine. I'm not going to play any, I used to try to hide that so that nobody could use that against me. Do you have to speak in tongues? I don't think so at all. I know Spirit-filled people who do not speak in tongues. It's one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not the only one. I think a very, very important manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life is love. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. I think most people would rather have you love them than speak in tongues to them. Just, and, I, and I'm not, please, please, if you think that's irreverent against tongues, it's not. Again, I speak in tongues. All the time? No. It's very private. Am I going to perform for you? I will not. Oh, yeah, because you can't. Well, you just have to take my word for it. I'm not going to. I don't do that. It's very, very private with me. That's how I do. I'm speaking to God, and that's the whole thing. Um, Like I say, I've known spirit-filled people who do not speak in tongues. Never have. Uh, People have lived and died their whole life and never spoke in tongues. Who I would just say I, I think they're incredible. Does Paul speak in tongues? He says so. He says I, I, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than you all. People who say that gets time thing gone by. He says no. It don't don't stop people from speaking in tongues. First Corinthians 15. We'd never try to stop anyone or anything like that. Does it? Does, you know, you've gone to a service where a guy jumps up, a lady jumps up, and starts speaking in tongues. It's kind of unnerving. Why are we so weird? Why are we? Why do we? We don't do that about in any other facet of life, right? If somebody speaking, and we jump up and start interrupting. Who does that? Well, I couldn't. The spirit of God was leading me. I couldn't control. No, this. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, and if the spirit of God is teaching, preaching the word through the guy up front, he's never going to interrupt.